go ahead and turn to John chapter 1. Um, I printed out um, some copies of a, of a document that I have. I'm not sure why it printed the portrait instead of, no, landscape instead of portrait. I'm not sure why it did in landscape. It probably just did, did that automatically, yeah. Um, but uh, what this is, is this is, this is a, a list, a side-by-side list. Um, Robert had mentioned something last week. I'd, I'd mentioned that I had this, and he said he'd like to have a copy of it, so I made, I made some copies. And uh, uh, as you know, we're, we're this, the series that we're doing in the Sunday School is Back to the Basics. And the last part to the basics that we're dealing with is the Bible and how we got it right? How we know for a fact that the King James Bible that we have in front of us is the Word of God uh, in the English language for English-speaking people. Um, and we've talked about uh, various things, so I want to make sure that we, we've got that, and we're going to continue that today. And uh, we might be able to finish up this week, maybe next week. Next week would be perfect because the following Sunday is the conference, and so it'd be good if I could finish it up maybe next week. So it, it depends on how, how many verses we get through. Um, but what this is, is a side-by-side comparison of the King James Version, the English Revised Version of 1881, and the NIV. Now, what, I'm, what I think I need to do, and uh, um, I, I definitely want to do this, is I want to add in to that the ESV, and I might actually replace the ERV with ESV um, or the NIV, one of the two. So the most prevalent Bible in Christendom, specifically among uh, Reformed churches, which are Calvinist people, is the ESV. And one of the reasons they really like the ESV it's not because it's easier to read, but it's got the word sovereignty in there, and sovereign. And that's really the main purpose, because they, they talk about the sovereignty of God and what that is. Now, sovereignty, the sovereignty of God is, is something, but the way that they use it um, is, not, uh, is not the way, way it should be used. And uh, so what I, what I think I might do is, is replace one of these or just add in the ESV. But there are, I don't even remember how many there are uh, total, but uh, what they, they're, they're in, and this isn't a list that I created. Uh, it's a list that I, that I found that I would like to add to. But in each section, it's got like a, a heading of what it's dealing with. So like the first section is, Verses dealing with the deity of Christ uh, and how that is either omitted or changed or, you know, somehow, somehow uh, changed the deity of Christ. Uh, the incarnation, the virgin birth, uh, the substitutionary atonement. You know, you, you've got people today that don't believe in the virgin birth. Well, one reason why is because it's not in their Bible. And that, that's just as simple as that. Um, the resurrection, uh, Jesus Christ's resurrection, His ascension, uh, the Trinity. Uh, that's that's one of those. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Rebecca was asking about First uh, John five seven, uh, the revised version 
or the, the English Revised Version and NIV, they just completely omit 1 John 5, 7. And what they do is they'll say, it's not in the originals. Well, it's not in, and here's the thing again, it's not in their originals. So again, we've got to remind ourselves, the reason that it's not there is not a transla translation issue. It's a, it's a textual issue. It's not there in the text in which it was translated from. So it's not translated to be easier to read. Uh, it's a textual uh, issue. It's a manuscript issue. Um, and one of the things that, that I was showing her with that a couple weeks ago is in, in the King James Bible, you'll, you'll notice every once in a while there will be um, words in italics. For instance, you've got, you've got John chapter 1, right? So I told you to go to John chapter 1, so we should be there, right? Notice in John chapter 9, verse 1. What's that first word? John 9. 1? John 1, 9. My bad. That. All right. What do you notice about that word, that? Is that italicized? Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why is because that word right there wasn't in the original Greek. And so what the translators have done is they've added that word in so that it would be readable if you will um, so if it wasn't in the original manuscripts then if they would take they would take liberty to make it to where you could actually read it because you can't have word for word translation because there's certain words that aren't in greek that are in english and so you have those those discrepancies and the king james bible translators say right off the bat we're going to do this and let you all know that we're going to do it this way. And this is how you know if that wasn't originally in it. So if you go over to 1 John 5, 7, we're not going to go there. But if you go there, none of that is in italics, which means it was actually in the original Greek text from which the King James Bible was translated from. All right. So that again, that's, that's another one of those issues that's really interesting. Uh, but that Trinity, or the Godhead, that's one of the verses that people uh, go after and, uh, and try to change or just completely omit, and it's the textual uh, issue. Um, here, here's one that's interesting, justification by faith in Jesus Christ alone. So if you can take out and omit verses that have to do with... Um, justification by faith in Jesus Christ alone, then that's what they'll do, and that, that's what happens. Um, the inerrancy of the Scripture, that's another one that's, that's attacked there. The masculine deity, uh, Delal has talked about uh, the Queen James Bible, which what people's done is they've taken the King James Bible and they've changed words, uh, the pronouns really. If it says he, they've changed it to them or they and all that stuff. And of course, that's where our country is going and uh, so it's it's an interesting thing but the masculine deity that that's one of the things that's attacked with some of the other uh, versions uh, Satan himself uh, that that one's really interesting when you take a take a look at the 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 morning star the day star uh, that title uh, is really interesting when you take a look at that um, man there's there's some things that's been changed uh, with that, in regards to that, sanctification. And, and what I'm doing is just going through like the, the, the titles of the sections. Uh, prayer, 
the second coming of Jesus Christ, sin, uh, the judgment, hell. Uh, one of the things that you can, you know, if if Satan wants to prevent people from knowing that hell exists, one one thing that he could do is what? Not have that word <laughs> show up in his, and it's removed in a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, and so then, you know, you, you get some things like that. Uh, the gospel itself is completely changing some of the other ones, and at the bottom of that, it's it's the same thing that we talked about as well. How many how many errors or mistakes does it take to uh, to say that okay, I'm I'm done with this other version, um, and it's it's one of those things when when you, you get into you get into this stuff. John John seventeen seventeen says what? Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is what? Truth. So if God's word says that his word is truth, then if you find something that's not truth, then what happens is that's not the word of God. All right. And again, that's one of those things we've talked about as we've gone through this this series, uh, this section of the series about dealing with um, those those changes, all right? All right, um, that was a good little introduction to what we're doing. Uh, I, said, I said all that, and I, I forgot to say this. I said all that to say this uh, to folks online. Uh, if you would like a copy of this, let us know, and uh, <clears throat> we'll, get that, we'll get that to you. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's one of those things. I the the three young men at school that I was talking about all this stuff. Um, I told I told one of them because one had a Bible that was King James. He he ended up getting one, and uh, one of the other one of the other boys. Uh, I asked him if he needed one. Cause I said I've got one I'll give you. And he said no, I'm gonna go get one. So he went and got one. And the third one I never could convince him. Uh, and honestly, he was using human reasoning is why. Uh, and that's that's the whole point, right? Uh, when we started off going through this section, there were five things we talked about: Satan's policy of evil against God's word. First is to question it, then add to, subtract from, water down, and then just flat out deny, right? We've talked about those five things. That's the purpose and plan of Satan to destroy God's final authority. Now, one of the things that we've talked about a lot of times before is when it comes to the book that we have in front of us, that book, the King James Bible, is, let's, let me put it this way, should be the only final authority that we have ever in all manners of faith, and duty and practice. That's what gets me still is that people who twist the words of it mm-hmm. and change and change it to, to be what they want it to mm-hmm. be. That's still their final authority, but they're still changing. Yeah. Well, so what happens is you you bring that up saying, you know, people will change them and switch or twist the words or, or change them around or or just completely change the word, right? So what that tells me is this book is not their final authority. 
they are. And also, too, it says here, appointed to be read in churches. Yeah. I mean, you go back, and, and we've looked at those, too, right? The, the issue of inspiration and preservation, one of the things that they were to do, the Levites themselves, one of their jobs is to, A, keep the book, um, make copies for kings when they, when, when they had a new king, but one of their main jobs was to what? To read the book in front of the people. Um, and that was local groups. That's what they did. They would they would meet together in the synagogue, or or at that particular time they would have been meeting at the tabernacle. And what would they do? They would read the Bible. They would just read the Bible, and that's 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 part of it. And that's the goal. That that's the purpose of getting together is to to do that type of stuff. And so that's that's one of those things that's 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 kind of fallen off the the side, especially over the past couple of years or so. And, uh, um, you know, it is what it is, but that's the purpose of it, right? It's to be read. When, when Paul, when Paul sends a letter and says, um, I want you to, when you get the, the copy of the, of the, of the epistle that was, or the letter that was written to Laodiceans, make sure that it's read as well. Right. That's the purpose behind that. So, um, we got almost fourteen minutes, and I'm not even prayed yet. Uh, so that's fine. So let's 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 read John chapter one. We're in John chapter one, right? Let's read verses one through three, and then we'll get started. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Father, we thank You for the opportunity we have to study Your Word. You've preserved it throughout the years and ages that we could have it, we could handle it, we could study it. Um, but not just to be able to say that we know stuff, but we study it and then apply it to our lives, allowing Your, your Word to be the final authority in all things, that we might be to the praise and honor and glory of Your grace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, when we take a look at this, there's some things that I want us to be able to notice, all right? What's that tell us about the Word? It's always been. <laughs> all right? It's always been there. What do we notice about... It says, in the beginning was the Word, right? That's the living Word. That's the living Word. That's the capital W there. Notice that, right? Um, hold your place there. Go over to 1 John. 1 John chapter 5, we were, we were talking about this a little bit ago, so let's just go ahead and, and take a look at this. And here's one reason why this verse is important. Mm -hmm. And don't ever let anybody come along and say that this verse should not be in your Bible. All right? Um, and when they do, the purpose of it is to destroy that book as your final authority. Who are they to tell me what should and shouldn't be in there? Well, they... They've studied and they know things that you don't know. And so then that makes them the final authority in things. They went to seminary. They went to seminary or cemetery, and <laughs> that's what it is. You go in, anyway. First John chapter 5. And I want us to notice something real quick. That, 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 that capital W-O-R-D, 
And what I'd like to do maybe next week is take a look at the connection between the living word and the written word. That's That, by the way, is another chart that I have um, that I want us to be able to, to look at. So next week, we'll... Uh, that sounds awesome. Huh? That sounds awesome. So next week, what I'd like to do to finish this whole thing out, maybe, um, the living word and the written word, um, the connection between those two. And I've often said, if we ever got to the point that we understood the living word and the written word, how closely the related that they are. Mm -hmm. The living word. Was there anything wrong with the living word? Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with Christ, right? No. Nothing. Is there anything wrong with the written word? No. no. Nothing. Proverbs 8.8. Exactly. So, think about this. If you tell me that my Bible is wrong, then what are you telling me about the man who the Bible's about? Wrong Something's wrong with him, too. It's important. Um, I was talking. I was talking to to Harry. We talked about a bunch of things yesterday. But I was talking to him, and we were talking about this issue. And you know, would would a church have a problem with everybody having a different version of hymnals? Yeah. They would, right? Or a different version of their church bulletin. Okay, so then if you think about, come on in. Join y'all? Yeah, come on in. Absolutely. So if you think about, if you think about that, okay. So if you think about that, if the hymnal is a big issue, then don't you think that the Bible in which they're teaching from should also be an issue? Yes. The answer, of course, is yes, right? Notice here, 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. All right, well, let's start off in verse 6. 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. And, of course, this is talking about the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Verse 6 says, This is He that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Now, I want you to notice something real quick. We've got the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, right? Now, that is the titles. That's their names. So you've got the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Well, when we take a look at that, who is the Father? Well, that's God the Father. Who's the Holy Ghost? Well, that's God the Holy Ghost. Who's this one then? That's the title, right? So when we go back to, to when we go back to John chapter one, and it says, "In the beginning was the what word. word." That's who we're dealing with, and we see that in the context there. Notice, in the beginning was the word, and the word was what with, with God. God, right? So one of those things, and this is this is an interesting thing because again, when you talk about this verse, John one. What we're dealing with is not just 
it's not just there to be there, right? There's a reason that it's there. And it's, and we'll see this in a second. Notice, in the beginning was the Word, capital W. And the Word, capital W, was with God. And the Word was what? Was God. God. You have the right translation. Right? And so that's an issue that we want to make sure that we see. That, that when we're dealing with Jesus Christ, because that's what it's dealing with, and continue on, you see this. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by what? Him. So when it says the Word, it's talking about a person. But here's the thing. How is it that He created all things was by speaking it. And His spoken Word became the written Word. Now again, like I said, next week we'll take a look at those two things, how they work together. Uh, but this week we'll, we'll want to be able to see some things. Notice, drop down to, well, let's get verse 4 and 5 again. Verse 4, in Him, well, we didn't even read verse 3 all of it, right? All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Now, pause there real quick. Go over to, go over to Ephesians. I want us to be able to, to take a look at some things. Go over to Ephesians. We'll be right back and we'll grab a Bible. Okay, yeah. Go back. Yeah, that door's kind of tough. Um, notice in Ephesians chapter 1, get Ephesians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 1, because I want us to be able to see these things to make sure that we understand what's going on. What did, what did the Word do? It spoke creation. It made all, right. all things. And it created all things, right? All things are made by him and not through him. Alright. And that's that's a big that's a big issue, right? This guy's yes. on a roll today. I know. Verses verses on it. Yeah. So when it says that the word and by him all the word all the things were created by the word, what are the all things? Well, normally what we think of is you go back to Genesis one, right? In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth, right? So what we have is created all things. Well, what we start off with is heaven and earth. But there's more to it than the Word just creating heaven and earth. We know that Genesis 1. Job tells us more about creation than even Genesis does, which is really interesting. But when we take a look at by, by the Word, the Word created all things. It's not just heaven and earth. All right? Go over to Colossians chapter 1. So we've got Ephesians chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 1. And I want us to see these connections. One of the things we know is the, the greatest commentary ever written on the book of Ephesians is the book of Colossians. Um, you take your favorite Bible teacher, that's not the one. The greatest commentary ever written on Ephesians is the book of Colossians. And we'll, we'll see these. There's a lot of connections between those two books. Uh, notice here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. It starts off, who, which if you go back in the context here in the verses prior to this, notice... Um, verse 13. 
who hath tra- who hath delivered us, which is talking about the Father in verse 12, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. So you've got God the Father talking about what he's done through the Son, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the, power, into the kingdom of his dear Son. Notice, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Well, whose blood? The sons, right? That's right. And in the son's blood is whom is, is in, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Notice even the forgiveness of sins. Son note. Yes. So you don't have forgiveness of sins unless you're in Christ? Yeah. So the redemption that you have in Christ, he tells us there that that redemption is forgiveness of sins. Yes. Notice verse 15. Who, who are we talking about now? Talking about Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God? Now, that's not invisible that you, you can see him, you look through him, right? It's the fact that has anybody ever seen God? The answer is no, except the Son and anybody that he's revealed himself to. In fact, he's not even revealed himself to a lot of folks. The way he's revealed himself is through the book. Even, even when you go back to Moses, with Moses, when he says, show me thy glory, he doesn't even show him all of his glory because he knows that he, he couldn't handle it. So, continue on. Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him, Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. So not only did the word create all things heaven and earth, but this verse actually tells us what? That it's also he's created all things that are in heaven and things that are in earth. So it's not just those two places, but there are things in them. Now, normally people go back and say, well, see, Genesis 1, he created the sun and the moon and the stars and uh, animals and plants and trees and all that stuff. But there's more than that that he created. Notice. For by him were all things created. And what he's going to do is he's going to tell us what those all things are. That are in heaven and that are in earth. Visible and invisible. Some we can see, some we don't see. But the ones we don't see, we know are there because of the ones that we do see. Does that make sense? Whether they be. Here's the all things. Whether they be what? Thrones. Next is what? Dominions. Dominions. Principalities. Principalities. And powers. Notice, all things were created by Him and for Him. So it's not just heaven and earth, but there's these things. Well, what are thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers? Places of rank and authority. There's places of rank and authority. We see on earth that there's those things are in heaven, those things are also in earth. Those were the things that he created. Along with that were sun, moon, stars, angels, all that stuff to to be in those positions of rank and authority. So one of those things that we want to be able to see is there's something that's important to 
that word. Well, how is it that all that stuff was created? The living word spoke the word. All right? And, and hopefully we see that. Verse 17, and he is before all things. Well, what's the all things? Those things right there. And by him all things consist. Well, what, again, what are the things? Those things there. The thing that allows those things to exist is him. Notice, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Now, that's Colossians. Go over to Ephesians chapter 1. This is a verse that goes along with that. All right? Now, I know I'm kind of off the track right now where we're going, but that's okay. Notice in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, starting off in verse 20. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20. Talking about the working of His mighty power in verse 19, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him in His own right hand in the heavenly places. Notice, far above all, what? Principality and powers and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in the world, but also in that which is to come. So what we find out is, in the beginning, when he created all things, it's not just heaven and earth, but he created all these positions of rank and authority in both places. Now, one of the things that we've talked about before is the big deal between God and Satan about power. The answer is no. God can create. Satan can't. That's the power. That's not the issue. But what's the issue is what? Wisdom. God's wisdom, Satan's wisdom. What did Satan tell Adam and Eve in the garden? You can be as God's knowing good and evil. God is hiding something from you, and if you partake of this tree, then you will be as the God's knowing good and evil. And so we've talked about, we've talked about that before. What, what he's setting up in, in, in Genesis chapter 3, which we've talked about those five issues of questioning God's Word, adding to God's Word, subtracting from it, watering it down, and flat out denying it. The whole, the whole reason behind that is to set up his plan of wisdom, which is really what we find out today is that is human viewpoint. When, when we go to Ephesians 2 and he talks about the course of this world, that's this. Which is different than what God has. And we, we've, we've looked at those verses. Now, go back over to, to John chapter 1. And uh, it took us a little detour there, but that's okay. My main, my main issue that I want us to be able to see in this is, what do we know about that word? Whether it's written or living, drop down to verse 14. John 1, 14. And the Word, again, that's capital W, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, 
full of grace and truth. Now, when we talk about that title, God the Father, God the Word, God the Holy Ghost, that's talking about the second person of the Godhead, which is the one who came and took upon himself the form of flesh. We know, based on verse 14, who that's talking about. Now, what do we know about the Word itself is it is equivalent to God. Go over to Romans, go over to Romans chapter 9 real quick. Romans chapter 9. And then get, uh, get Exodus chapter 9. So Romans chapter 9 and Exodus chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 and Exodus chapter 9. I want us to notice something real quick. Romans chapter 9, verse 17 says what? For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh. Right? Question. (laughs) <laughs> when you're looking at that, what's it say is talking? Scripture. The Scripture. For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, and then it quotes Exodus 9.16. Alright? Notice, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might shew my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. What's the Scripture saying? that I have raised thee up, that I might shew my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Well, if you go back to Exodus chapter 9, let's take a look at something real quick. Verse 13. Exodus 9, 13. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Drop down to verse 16. And in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up, for to show in thee my power, and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. According to Exodus chapter 9, who's speaking there? Notice verse 13. And the Lord said unto Moses. Who's talking there? The Lord is. So Romans 9 says the scripture saith to Pharaoh. But it quotes Exodus 9. And in Exodus 9, who's speaking? God. Jehovah. So what do we know about God and His Scripture? He says what? They're the same. 
They're equivalent to each other. We, we talked about it before. He says, I'm going to exalt my words above my name. His words matter, right? Um, Revelation chapter 19. Look at Revelation chapter 19. I know. <laughs> Revelation chapter 19. Mm -hmm. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Uh, we'll start off in verse 11. Revelation 19 verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and had, uh, he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Who is this talking about? It's talking about Christ. It's the second coming. You go over to Matthew 24 and you'll see that's what he's dealing with. Notice in verse 13, and, his and, he, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the what? The Word of God. So who is that? That's Christ. That's Christ by whom and by created all things in heaven and earth. And it's not just birds and trees and all that stuff, but there's other things there that he's created by him. So what do we know? Again, it's the Word of God. And as I said before, if we ever got to the point where we understood the connection between the living Word, Christ, and the written Word that we have before us, why would we deny the access that we have to the written Word? Because the written Word tells us about the living Word. And it tells us when it's the fact that it's equivalent to God, that means it also takes on all of His attributes. Sanctify them through Thy Word. Thy Word is what? Truth. If you want to find truth today, where do we find truth today? In the book. So... We've, we've got some verses that I, I, I would love for us to run them all. We won't, but I want to give you some. The Word of God is true just as God Himself is true. Can, uh, can I share a footnote? Absolutely. I think everybody would like it. It's yeah. right there, y'all over it. Yeah, absolutely. And this, this hit me when I read the footnote to that, um, Revelation 19, 11. Mm -hmm. It said, you know, at this time, you know, John's vision shifts again. Heaven's open and Jesus appears, but this time... Not as a lamb, but as a warrior on a white horse, symbolizing victory. Mm -hmm. It says, Jesus came first as a lamb to be sacrificed for sin, but he would return as a conquering king to execute judgment. Mm -hmm. That's pretty strong. And that's, uh, that's exactly that's what it is. And that's yeah, and, and, and that's the point, right? So what, what else do you notice there in verse 11? It says what? That I saw, uh, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon it, was his name was called what? Faithful and true. Faithful and true. 
The living word is faithful and true. So is the written word. And so, when we, you know, we talk about this. How is it that he's going to come back? How is it that he's going to strike through kings? Is by the word of his mouth. What's he going to speak? The verses that we have written down in our Bible. That's what he's... That, just the same thing that he used to create all those things is the same way that he's going to destroy. And so when we take a look at the Bible that we have in front of us, it's not just words on a page that some people came up with. These are the very words of God, and in them are power and life because it's got his power and his life. And so then we see those, and it's faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth what? judge and make war. Now, what's interesting is, you go Romans through Philemon, what is it that Paul says in every one of his epistles is grace and peace, which is different than judge and make war. So we need to make sure that we take advantage of the time that we have now where we have grace and peace, not judgment and war, because judgment and war will come someday soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. formed will be his word will break that down yeah so you've got new heaven and new earth right so it's the yeah. same idea yeah. so his words is what created it right and so when we have new heaven and new earth his words is what it's his word and it's his word that's going to destroy all those other kingdoms so you go back to, to Daniel and you find out when, when that kingdom comes down out of heaven, it destroys all the other kingdoms on the earth. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's one of those things that's interesting. All too often, churches use Christianity to try to gain governmental power. That, God's going to do that one day. <laughs> you know, we, we've talked about it before. Every person in every office, and, you know, here's some of the offices the thrones, the dominions, principalities, and powers, there's going to be those positions of rank and authority here on the earth, and they're going to be filled with saints of the Most High God. And you're not going to have to worry about elections, whether they're good or not or whatever. You're going to have people in there that are saints of the Most High God. That, that's going to be an amazing day, and they're going to be in earth, and they're also going to be in heaven. And, and to, see those, to see those is really interesting. Um, but both living and written word, they're both true. Uh, Numbers twenty three nineteen. I'll just give you some of these to to write them to write them down. Um, he uh, Numbers twenty three nineteen, John fourteen six. That's one that probably everybody knows. Uh, Titus one two. What's what's interesting? Go to Titus one two because this is one of those that's, that that to me, just speaks volumes. And we, we've talked about these before. Um, but Titus 1, 2. Notice, Titus chapter 1, verse 2. It says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie. I want you to pause and think about that for a second. Have you ever heard somebody always say, there's nothing that God can't do? Well, He can't lie. (laughs) So, God cannot lie. What's interesting about that is, 
If he cannot lie and he's written down a book, then what do we know about that book? It's infallible. It's going to be infallible. It's going to be true. It's going to be perfect. It can't lie. So then if you've got something that lies, then that's not going to be Scripture, right? But notice this. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. That's interesting. So, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Before that, God made a promise. Well, who all is there for God to make a promise to is Himself. And so then, in, the, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Well, the Godhead is the only one that was there, so it was He Himself that, uh, that He promised to. Um, get, uh, get Numbers 23. Yeah, because that goes along with that. Uh, So I said last week we might finish up this this series, but we're already at forty five minutes on on this on this one, so we'll have to break here for the next message. But notice Numbers twenty three, verse nineteen. God is not a man that he should lie. So question. Why can God not lie is because He's not a man that, sh- that He should lie. Neither the Son of Man that He should repent. He hath said, and shall He not do it? Or hath He spoken, and shall He not make it good? So what do we know about God? It is true. He is true. He's unchangeable. It's immutable. It's not going to change. They're both eternal. They're both omniscient. And so that, that kind of leads us into what we'll take a look at last or next week with the living and the written word. Um, go real quick. Genesis chapter 1. You know, we've looked at it before. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says what? The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to divide into sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Now, one of the things we've said is that word quick it's not just alive, but it's alive and it will perform. It will work quickly. And it'll actually quicken the dead. Ephesians 2, 1, right? And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. How did he quicken you? By the word regenerating your spirit, giving life to your spirit. The book that we have in front of us isn't, again, it's not just words written down on a page by a bunch of guys who thought that, hey, this is a good idea, let's write it down. 
These are the actual words that God spoke and had written down, and they were what? Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. It's always been, and it's always existed, and it's only existed in our time by God using men to write it down. We look here at Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. What's those first three words? And God said. And God said what? And what happened? That's power. It's in His Word. The moon and stars didn't even exist at this time. God said, let there be light, and there was light. That's powerful. And the power that resides in those words are the same power that resides in all these words that we have written in this Bible. Because we looked at the word inspiration, right? That doctrine of inspiration. God has taken His life and put it in these words. And if His words can create light when there is no light nor source for a light, that's pretty powerful. And so what Satan has tried to do is, through his wisdom, tell you and I that you don't have a final authority in a book. But I'm going to put up another final authority, which is human viewpoint and human wisdom. All right? Um, the... It's, as we've said before, it's infallible. It's, it's unchanging. It's true. It's eternal. It's omniscient. It's powerful. And there's, there's again, like we said, lots of verses that we could go through with that. Um, next week, what I want to do, um, we're going to take a look at, and I'll, I'll print this off for everybody again. Uh, we're going to take a look at the living word and the written word and the connection between those. We've kind of set that up this week. And uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to see, see some of those things um, as we go through. All right. Uh, questions? Comments?